single one of you that are here this morning. Welcome to Big Woods Bible Church. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to take them. Romans chapter 12, as we continue on in what I call our series within a series as we're looking at the subject of spiritual gifts. We have a special, this is a special day. I don't know if you realize that or not. We have a special first time guest with us here. It is Parker David Geisweit's first day to ever officially be here in church. So we want to welcome the arrival for the record, okay, I like this boy already, it was one degree. It was one degree this morning when he came what? He came out of the valley, over the mountain, to be here in church. I like that boy already. Welcome, congratulations, Evan and Amanda. Babies, babies, lots of babies. We are um, in this series and seeing how the Lord has gifted each one of us. And um, as we go into the Word this morning, we need to pray. I know there's been a lot of motion and movement and exciting announcements. We're excited about Robbie and Michaela being with us. But we have to pause and just kind of allow the Lord to speak to our hearts. And would you pray briefly with me as we commit our time of learning and listening together. Father, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you, Lord, that in your love and your grace, you have drawn us this morning together to your house. Your day set apart from all other days to hear of you. It says in your word that if we have ears to hear, that we would hear. And Father, I just pray that your spirit would work amongst us as we examine our own heart and life, as we follow the example that is given to us of Jesus. And that we would learn to be content with who we are and where you placed us. So we are faithful. So we are faithful. Please, Lord, help me as I speak. May it be for your glory and your glory alone. We ask this in the amazing name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. Very quickly, God has what? He has lavishly poured his grace upon us. He has lavishly poured his mercy upon us when we receive Jesus as our Savior, you've, you've put your life into his hands and recognized the fact that we're broken sinners in need of a Savior, paid the, atone, the price for our sins. The, the Holy Spirit comes upon us and he gifts us. Not just the gift of the gospel, the gift of grace, the gift of mercy, the gift of salvation. He gifts us with spiritual gifts, with the express purpose of building up the body of Christ for the glory of God. And we've looked at the fact that the challenge is not necessarily determining what gift do I have. That's not, that's not, that's not the hardest thing. It's not even determining how are we to use our gifts. What we will see and what we have seen and will continue, the challenge for us is how we exercise our gifts alongside of one another because everyone is so different. I had a picture in my mind. My, my wife has always, Wendy has always loved to receive flowers 
And so I, I try to make it a habit to, to get flowers. And especially this time of the year, it's just cold and dead. And so Wendy loves when, when I bring home flowers for her. And I was thinking of a bouquet of flowers that I have and how beautiful it is. And, and notice, notice the different colors, the shades, the shapes. And yet what is interesting is that if you were to take just one of these, okay, this is beautiful in and of itself. But you realize that one person with one gift isn't near as beautiful as what? The beautiful blend of all of the gifts together. So the idea is what? As we think about spiritual gifts, it's not about you alone. Ever. Ever. That's why it's so important for us to do this. To put forth great effort to be together so that we function not individually but corporately. That's the image. Every part of this bouquet is different. But put together, the local church put together, oh, that, that is beautiful. Last week we looked very quickly at the gift of prophecy. It's defined as the spirit-given ability of interpreting and explaining the word of God clearly and accurately. We know that the, the canon of scripture has been closed. The office of the prophet, capital P, the office of the apostle, capital A, is closed. And so what we see is what we still have to exercise the truth of Scripture being spoken. A person who sees in the life of another person a word of truth. An appropriate, a fitting word. And has the ability to communicate that clearly so that it is heard. So that what? It's a perfect word. We talk about apples of gold in pictures of silver. We also thought about the idea that because you may not have a particular gift maybe some of you said yeah i don't really have the gift of prophecy we look today maybe we don't have the gift of, of serving it doesn't mean you just like excuse yourself it doesn't mean you just disengage because you've got to figure out how to work alongside of one another so that we become this beautiful bouquet and remember as well that just if you don't have one particular gift if you don't have the gift of giving or give up serving the gift of mercy that doesn't just say i, I don't have to be kind to anyone because i don't have the gift of mercy i don't have to give any that, that doesn't excuse you either you may have that not have that gift but you still have that responsibility what we have before us in romans chapter 12 is this list of seven spiritual gifts we looked first at the gift of prophecy today we look at the gift of serving Romans chapter 4, the text begins in, in verse 4. We'll read it down through verse 8. For the sake of time, I'll pick it up in verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving. When you hear that one particular phrase, you're kind of like, I don't know if it really helps a lot by way of an explanation. If service in our serving. One way that helps us understand scripture is to first look closely at the original language. What, what is the author saying? What is the, the, the intent that he has? The context by which he is speaking in. 
It's diakonai or diakonai. There's two different ways you can actually pronounce it. Is this one word serving. It's where we get our word what? Deacon from. It means to what? A ministry or service either waiting on others or a ministry in the local church. The word is used to describe several different actions. What is this gift of serving it in its most basic form? The word can refer to the simple servitude that a person would provide when someone was visiting his or her house. In Luke chapter 10 verse 40, Jesus arrives at the home of Mary and Martha. And it says Martha was worried with a great deal of what? Serving. She was burdened like there's so much to do. Jesus is here. In another sense, we'll look at further in Acts chapter 6, is the apostles' ministry. As it was beginning to expand and grow, certain needs were developed within the local church. There were people being neglected. And so they chose seven men to serve. The first deacons, so to speak. Look at that more in a moment. Another way, not just to look at the original, but look at other translations. I think that helps us understand. The old King James says, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. I don't know if that helps a whole lot. Let's wait. It almost sounds like a stop sign. I don't know if that's accurate. New King James, or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. The NIV says, if it is serving, then serve. Actually, the NLT this says what? If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you feel that you have this gift, you have a responsibility to exercise it to a place of perfection. Donald Gray Barnhouse, if you recall, talked about the fact that he spent years, over 10 years, preaching through the book of Romans. You think, I'm in a slow pace right now. While he was at 10th Press in Philadelphia. He writes this about the gift of serving. It will be better understood if we translate it personal ministering. Ministering to the personal needs of other believers. Which means this is not just a general, this is a good guy, this is a good girl, doing a good thing. I just want to pick up garbage on the side of the road. That, that's, that's not really what we're talking, that's a good thing to do. Okay, But that's not really what we're talking about when it comes to the gift of serving. To help us learn this, the Holy Spirit's gifting is what? With the specific purpose of building up the body. Think about exercising, strengthening the body for the glory of God. So it's not just about doing. It's focusing on, here it is, who it's done for. Where's the need? And it's also focused on how the doing is done. Does that make sense? It's not just about let's, let's, let's do anything. No, no, no. There's a specific need with a specific person. And it's also attention with how it is to be done. Growing up in our home, there were two boys, my brother and I, and there were two girls, two sisters. And every single day, we had chores to do. We had jobs to do. One night, it was the girl's job to wash and dry the dishes. This is before, like, 
the dishwasher existed, probably. I don't know. We didn't have one. So one night, the girls did the dishes. They washed it dry. The, the, the same night, the boys, their job was to vacuum and dust. And then the next night, okay, we swapped. Now, if you were on dish duty, it just ruined your night. Like, there's, there's no fun. Just, just write the whole evening off. There's no other opportunity to schedule anything. Your night is ruined. You're on dish duty. But if you were on, like, vacuuming dust duty, you still had an opportunity to do something. And this wasn't like, these aren't responsibilities that are, like, um, up for an option. There was no excuse ever. I got homework. I got, I got a test. Nothing's going to fly. I got to, excuse me, I got to give blood, really. Like today is scheduled. I got to go give blood. There was nothing. I got a bank to rob. There's no excuse under any circumstance. So when your night was, then you had to do that. Dishwashing night was a waste, but vacuuming night, you could get done your vacuuming fast enough you could get outside while the sun was still up. And so I, I remember very specifically that, you know, times where my job is to vacuum, and you're vacuuming all you just want, you're banging, thrashing in this stuff, and, and just getting it done to tear outside. I remember that mom would come in, and she's like, no, 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 Tim, you, you're not vacuuming right. Keep, keep vacuuming. I'm like, mom, but the floor is, like, the floor is done. And I would bang, and I would thrash, and she, she no, 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 you're, you're not going outside until it's done right. And I learned after a period of time, it's not just about getting the floor vacuumed. It's not just about like getting the stuff off the carpet. It's more what? Mom was more concerned with how I did the vacuuming. If my attitude stunk, and I'm just banging and crashing and wrecking to get out, that wasn't sufficient. So what? I learned, wow, I get to vacuum. We get to have a home with carpet in it. And, and we have a that, like, we get to do this. That mom was more concerned about teaching that we, we do this job, not just to get it done, but we do it with, with joyfulness. We do it with thanksgiving. Thankfully, we get to serve one another. It took a long time to learn that. That's the idea of what's happening how we fulfill the specific task that God has given to us. We see this explained very well when we examine, when we look at how the early church functions. As the church grew, the apostles, the 12 apostles, needed help. And, and so it, it says that they actually chose seven people to serve. That was the office of the deacon. So, so what does the office of the deacon look like? like? What is their job? What is their responsibility? Direct your attention to Acts chapter 6. Begins in verse 1. <clears throat> Excuse me, the word of the Lord. In, in those days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint. That's hard, it's hard to even imagine. That someone within the context of a local church is going to complain. I, I know it's hard to think about that. But it says that a complaint by the Hellenists. That's not people from hell, just to let you know, okay? Hellenists is what? It's, it's, if they're not entirely Greek, they're Greek-speaking Jews. So they're influenced at some level what through the Greek way of thinking, culture. 
So a complaint by the Hellenists arose because their widows were being neglected. Now let me uh, just speak for a moment. That, That is an absolute important priority by way of a legitimate need within the body. You cannot have certain people being neglected for being loved and cared for. Certainly, certainly you cannot have a widow neglected. Our responsibility is to take care of those who have lost loved ones. It's not the government's responsibility. It's the local church's responsibility. And there were people that were being neglected. It says that the 12 summoned the full number of the apostles. And they said this. It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. There's that word serve, diakonai. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. So they're choosing from among, and they're appointing them to a responsibility. We will devote ourselves to prayer, to the ministry of the word. Listen to this. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. Everyone was what? The vacuuming went from banging and thrashing to, oh, this is the way it's supposed to work. It says, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Permius, and Nicholas, the proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, they prayed, they lay hands on them, and the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied. It was for the building up of the body, for the glory of God. What I find is fascinating is if you look at these names, praise God for a Prochorus and a Nicanor, they're they're all Hellenists, they're all Greek-sounding names. You, You know, you know what mama wants to eat. It's your responsibility to serve as we together as a church build up praise God for this example there's another one that comes from Romans chapter 16 we'll see this briefly in our series later in 2028 when we get to Romans chapter 16 it says I I commend to you our sister Phoebe a servant there's the word same word a servant of the church at Sensuray that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints. Listen to this. I love this phrase in Romans chapter 16, verse 2. And help her in whatever she may need from you. For she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Think about this for a moment. Phoebe has been gifted... Okay, she's what? She is gifted, she's beautiful, she has been given a a Holy Spirit ability to serve others. And what? Paul says, you make sure that everyone gives to her everything that she needs in order to do the job well. It's not one person that, that isn't on an island out here. We don't function autonomously. We function what? Corporately, together. By way of a definition, a good, simple, working definition of the gift of Serving is the spirit-given ability to identify unmet needs and making use of available resources to meet those needs. Maybe the resources are ones are from within the rest of the body. Here, give to her whatever she needs to do her job and to do that well. Tony Merida says it like this. 
It's practical help for those in need. Practical help for those in need. What, what does that look like? Very first weekend um, preaching at Big Woods. We weren't officially on board yet. So it was our second visit to Lock Haven. And, and uh, um, I remember we were in the old school and, and I was nervous um, as I was getting ready to preach. And, and I remember like, oh, this is it. Like, I don't know. They're going to like, it's going to be rough. And, and I went downstairs. If you remember, I went downstairs before I went up to preach. And, and I was going to, I was going to the bathroom, okay? But as I got to the bathroom, the, the door was open. And, and I looked, and, and there was Dr. Jay Gaunt. I didn't know really who he was. We'd say at his house, but I didn't really know. This is a successful dentist with a, a, a successful private practice. And, and it's kind of like, and what he was doing is that he was plunging the toilet that had overflowed. Now, that's, that's just a fun job right there for anybody. And, and I was kind of like, hey, what you, what you doing? I remember Jay. I remember this very clearly. And he looked out with just a giant smile. He says, I'm just serving. I'm just serving. That's what it looks like. That, thus what, in, in a sense, as we miss our dear brother, he solidified for us a model. Solidified for us an example. Solidified, in a sense, the work effort that I know has carried on to the rest of the deacons of what we kind of put it, it under what? The, the Jay Gaunt mantra. Just, just consider it done. You see, you see, that's what it looks like. A, a baby doesn't arrive in our church body without Julie Borgers kind of swinging into action to arrange meals to be delivered or a new family doesn't move into town without Julie just saying, how, how can I serve? And she has the ability to kind of gather other ones around her. It's not one woman all alone. It's, what, it's the body here. Y'all can just jump in and serve that way. That's, that's what it looks like. It's the Susie Grace who, who will find me and, and bring me a cup of coffee and say, here, I, I know that you didn't have a chance to get one yet, so I just want to offer this to you. It's the Tom and the Elvis. It's the super glue that you never really see them. Like, they're like, I don't know where they are, but they just get things done. You know those little tiny glasses that you fill up over communion? They're like in the back, like in a dungeon somewhere. You don't see them. They just serve. It's the Billy Powell's. Billy Powell actually has learned how to break into my own garage and fill it up with firewood, and he's gone before I ever get back. It is like the garage is locked. I don't know how he does this. I haven't, I haven't bought a stick of firewood in 10 years. And Billy says, I, I got you covered. Just a what? A servant attitude. This is what it looks like. And the list is long 
with the body like this. Think, think of it like this. If you today have a basic motivational drive, there's something with inside of you that burns that the way that you're going to demonstrate love is by meeting a practical need that someone has that's going to be an encouragement to them, that's how you want to communicate love, then you may have this gift of serving. The Holy Spirit gives the sum. Let me give you some other helpful ones. You can uh, write these down. I know there's a lot, but uh, I can get them out to you again. You may have the gift of serving. If you find joy in willingness to sacrifice your time and energy and resources in order to complete a task. Okay, which means it's not just about doing the task. It's not just about doing the vacuum and banging and thrashing around. If you find joy... Like something is like, this is just so cool. He's going to be so excited when he comes home and finds the, the place is filled with firewood. Like there's something inside of you, then you may have that gift. You may have the gift of serving. If you are most satisfied by doing a tangible task or tangible work, they oftentimes serve, it's not, these are not the ones that are going to want to explain something or stand up in front and teach something. Travis Best has the gift of serving and, and he will find something that's broken or something that doesn't work and he just kind of swoops in and swoops out and he's told me, don't ever put me up front. That, that's an indication of what it looks like. They don't, they don't want to be, what, explaining and teaching. They just want to serve you may have the gift of serving. If you, if you prefer a short-term task, which means what? There's a start time and there's a, a stop time to it. Then oftentimes they're the type of people, they're not going to be just drawn out forever and ever and ever. They want a start and, and a stop time. Projects that have a beginning and projects that have an end. And we're there. You may have the gift of serving if you find yourself volunteering to serve in church-related or group-related projects. You can count on them. They're the people that are there at the end of the project. I was reading this week of a gentleman by the name of Russell Kelfer who wrote extensively on the gift of serving. And ironically, he wasn't one up front. He actually owned a tire shop. I thought this was rather interesting. And Kelfer writes in his states, the people with the gift of serving, quote, are the ones washing dishes after we've gone home. They're the ones putting up the chairs while we crawl over them to get to the exits. They're the ones who ask if they can help carry or clean or deliver while everyone else is in their cars heading home. They enjoy the party best if they're in the kitchen or at the barbecue pit or handing out the food. We want to be served. They want to serve. Some wonderful strengths that are listed when God gives this, this gift of grace to servers is that they have an ability to exercise humility even when it comes to what? The menial task. The plunging of the toilet task. There's just something. In, they're, they're fine with that. They don't have a problem with that. God gives those with the gift of serving a special gift of maybe not having real sensitive sense of smell. Another strength is their availability. 
One, one of the server's strongest character qualities is that they just make themselves available. Oftentimes, they're not going to say no if they see a task and they know that it's going to what? Bring a sense of joy. They're going to express love for the building up of the body for the glory of God. Another strength is, is the fact that order is important. When, when structure's present, they can accomplish much. However, they can and will oftentimes sacrifice order temporarily to get the job done. They're, they're, they're people that go to war to get the job done. But they're oftentimes function within parameters and structure. Start, stop. Who's in charge? Another... Another strength is literally a God-given strength and stamina to, to do a physical task where it just seems like, man, they're like the Energizer Bunny. Like how? They just don't seem to tire. Like I think at some level, the Holy Spirit comes upon them and they're the ones that carry the fridge on their back. They just have a unique strength and stamina about them. One author wrote, you better get out of the way when a server is serving. I think that's interesting. Now, with everything, we have to be careful. If you're beginning like, I think this might be me, I don't know. Be careful with some of the weaknesses by way of help us identify these. Servers tend to be a one-man army, and so they can, they can, they can um, be tempted to overcommit. And they can take on more than they're actually able to deliver, which can lead to, to, to stress. It can lead to frustration, not only for the server themselves, but for those in the server's family. We want to be careful against that. Another weakness is what? They can be poor delegators, sometimes even a poor co-worker. Because they can do it themselves. They don't need others. Thus the responsibility that we do this together as a team. Remember as well that being a poor delegator um, without having to depend on others is a weakness. The, the body should function together. Um, another one is that they sometimes get priorities out of order. They get so focused on one thing that they kind of miss what's happening around them so they can get priorities out of order. They tune, in, tune into a physical need and a spiritual need may be neglected or missed. And then finally, servers can tend to be demanding and even Critical, especially when others aren't working as hard as they are alongside of them. And so if you've been given this spiritual gift of serving, be careful to guard against having a critical attitude toward other people. I was working on my notes this week on how do we, how do we identify spiritual gift of, of serving? And I came with exactly the four points that I mentioned to you last week. And, and you've probably forgotten them because that's seven days ago. How do I know if I have this? Number one, pray first and foremost. Lord, I, I need a sense of clarity on what is my gift. The Holy Spirit is not what? God is not the author of confusion. You're not to be out there blindly, kind of like, I don't, I don't know what to do here. I love the fact that last week, and the, the offer still stands, that you have, as Pastor Aaron alluded to, a communication card in front of you. 
Take that out. If you're wondering, like, I don't know really what my gift is, would you pray alongside of me? Can we meet and talk? The number of people who filled them out, they were already setting up to say, let's help them determine. Pray alongside of them. Pray for clarity. Look for opportunities within the local church. If there's a need, begin to step into that need. And then thirdly, what? Listen for input from other people. That's why we have to always speak truth in love. To come alongside someone who's banging and thrashing as they are serving and say, maybe that's not your gift. Maybe we need to position you, pray about, in another area. We are to help one another. We're not isolated alone We're what? We're beautiful, beautiful when we are together. Fourthly, just enjoy seeing the Lord use you alongside of others. Bask in a sense of joy and contentment. I was was encouraged. Some of you might have thought it was like, that's odd. I was actually encouraged this week when an email went out to everyone from the church office. And we, we asked, this, this needs to be sent out. Some of you check your email, some of you do not. I'll read you the email that was sent out. Listen to this testimony for a moment. Just, just Is this like a little odd? And Holly's doing her job. She says what? Good morning, we have had an incredible turnout of volunteers to work in the youth center. Downstairs. The the project is moving along very well. The project has reached a point where we are all able to pull back on volunteer help. We will send another email when the project reaches the next phase of needing volunteers. Praising God for all those that have been able to give their time so far. Blessings. Did you you realize what's happened? I'm reminiscent of something from the book of Exodus in chapter 36. When the nation Israel was what? They're building uh, the temple. They're bringing. And the craftsmen came. It reminds you and see if this is not an amazing testimony of a church that is what? Individuals with the gift of serving that are exercising it. Exodus chapter 36, so that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task in the sanctuary came, each from the task that he was doing, said to Moses, the people bring much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses, in turn, gave the command, the word was proclaimed throughout the camp, let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution the sanctuary so the people were restrained from bringing for the material that they had was sufficient to do all of the work and more what a testimony what a testimony of a body of believers beautiful i guess i guess they don't need me anymore i guess it's not important no 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 there's lots of other areas that you can be serving but you, you, you see how what? When we are functioning the way that we should, may we be that type of a church as we seek to minister as an example to the rest of the community. The world doesn't have, the world doesn't have that kind of a problem that says, whoa, 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 back off. We just need a little bit of space here. You can't have 27 guys hanging one sheet of sheetrock. It just doesn't work like that. The world doesn't have that problem. Why? Because the world 
doesn't serve the Savior that we serve. There is no, there is no greater example of any servant than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Let me leave you with this. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist and then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Later it says, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do, do you understand? Do, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're, you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. It's actually that very first phrase, all things have been given into his hands. Everything. Jesus has authority over everything and everyone. It speaks of his sovereignty. All things were in his hands, and yet that didn't lead him away from meeting the needs of other people, but toward, but toward it. There, there was a need here. Dirty, grimy feet don't belong at the table. They sit reclined. I don't want your feet next to mine. Get your feet out of my food. There's a need here. All authority, everything has been placed in his hand. You think like, whoa, he's too important. No, no, that's the perfect example. It doesn't move him away from meeting the needs, but toward it. Not only in the washing of his disciples' feet, but most significantly, what? In dying for them. And dying for all who simply embrace being served. His sacrifice. His sacrifice is an example. His sacrifice is our salvation. If, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and he is just to cleanse us, to wash us from all unrighteousness. You, you understand why this is so key, why the gift of serving is so, so close to the heart of Jesus, the ultimate example. May, may we follow in his footsteps. May we be willing to serve as Jesus serves. May we be willing to accept the gift of the ultimate servant who died so that you and I may live, who served in such a way that we too can serve. May we understand how this is rooted in the gospel. Why would we bother to do this? If this is all that there is here on this earth. But no, 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 no. We do it for the building up and for the glory of God. Pray today and say, Lord, do I have this? 
Maybe this helps you understand someone else maybe who functions a little different than you do. Maybe they have that gift and you don't, and we work together. Sensitive to the Spirit's leading, willing to work together as a beautiful bouquet of flowers for His glory. Father, we love you. We thank you for your patience and your grace with us. We thank you for the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for people within this body right here at Big Woods that have been gifted uniquely in this way. Father, I would pray that we would understand and recognize and celebrate that we would be sensitive that all of us, that all of us, as different, as unique as we all are, would function as one, as one for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.